Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 34 of Ripstop on the Record. We're diving deep into one of our favorite topics, which is maker questions. But first, we have another beer sponsor today. Huge shout out to Blue Blaze Brewing Company for sending us three of their finest beverages. We have the Pink Blazer Hefeweizen Wheat. We have the Black Blaze Milk Stout. And last but not least, the Sobo Tangerine Hazy India Pale Ale. Mm. That looks like it's got your name on it. I'm going to take that one for myself. Perfect. Thank you. Can get some of the stout? Yep. I'm going to need to get it. Yeah. Can? It's refreshment in a bottle. Can. Bottled can. <laughs> so Call. as usual, you can already hear Isaac and Carter here today. Uh, we're going to pick their yeah. brains for all the maker questions, and they are the experts on spot. But to give Blue Blaze a little bit of a tidbit here, Blue Blaze Brewing Company creates full-flavored, bold artisan beers with a focus on hiking, backpacking, and all things outdoors. Blue Blaze is a perfect fit for a lot of our listeners because of their outdoor nature. So like we said, we've got three of their, their finest here today. Again, a shout out to Lance. He made this happen. Uh, Lance's connections all over the place, and he got the last beers for us, and he's also reached out to Blue Blaze. Um, so we're pumped to pop these open and, and have a go. Ready, guys? Yeah. And for any of you other beer people out there listening, if you want we your beer, beer to be in my hand, just like I do, hit us up. We maybe can arrange something. Hand pop. Also, Isaac has something special to show yeah. here. It's a little gizmo that he got us all for Christmas. So we got the draft top here, and uh, this cool little dude is just going to go on top. For those, nice for those listening, the draft top cuts cleanly, cuts the top of your can off so you can use it as a glass, but yeah. you don't actually cut yourself, which, which makes it sound like you're about to do dangerous things. It literally cleanly cuts just the ring inside of where the, the pop hole is, so you have a full cup. It's really cool. See if you can – I don't know if you can see that on video, but probably not. it's pretty sick. I'm going to attempt to also do that. This way we get the full Blue Blaze effect. I don't know if I did this right, so. <laughs> Some people would say first try. All right. So the purpose of this episode is less of a topic and more of an open-ended invitation. So we've gathered, I don't know, 40 questions or more from makers. Uh, they just want to know more. So especially as us, as the, hopefully, the authority on the DIY subject that we want to be, we're going to try to answer as many questions as possible. I did the draft top wrong, too. Can you help us out? Yes. All right. So while we're working out this draft top stuff, I just going to get that covered. We're going to dive into the first question. Sharon Tesnier, thank you for sending this in. Thank you to everybody that submitted questions. You make the podcast possible. So thank you for that. Thank you but for sharing. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> exactly. First Sorry. question. How do your fabrics compare for clothing with factors like feel, durability, noise, and waterproof? including sitting or sliding in the puddle, puddles or snow or breathability features. I need more skirts that can go from business office to the trail, but feel free to discuss office apparel with great humor. Okay. So very loaded question, Sharon. I appreciate your thoughtfulness. Um, very similar to how we all talk and ask questions with each other. Um, if you get a chance to check out the bonus episodes we've started doing, uh, that'll feed into kind of the off the cuff, random 14 questions in one stuff as we plan making projects but um so it sounds like specifically she's talking about making a like a skirt that kind of plays every part 
Yeah. Um, which I feel because like for us, that's like finding a pair of pants that you could climb in. You can take, you can wear in the office. You could ride your bike in. Jameson's got some on right now. Uh, we, I wouldn't say that for something like that, that we are have the best materials right now. Um, apparel is something that we are really into and want to add more like materials that are, that would be perfect for that, whether it's different blends or certain types of like stretch nylons and things like that. We will be adding those in the upcoming year, but yeah, in terms of the skirt, I would start like with maybe like the flow mesh. That would, that would be more of like an athleisure type of skirt. Yeah. Um, I feel like that would have a little too much stretch in it. Sure. I mean, but in terms of what we have to offer, you can start there in the, like the stretchy athleisure end of things or go with like a waterproof breathable, like Vintech, I think is really, but ultimately I just don't think that right now we have the best group of materials for that type of apparel, which is again, it's something that we want to change. So something she mentioned was a rain skirt. Uh, A lot of people would know to go with, but in your, if you were to tackle that individually, what would you say good rain skirt options would be? Definitely. So right now we currently offer kits and rain skirts for, with DCF and uh, like Sil Poly, but I personally, definitely, personally, definitely prefer uh, non DCF for rain skirts because of the material has like the worst drape ever. So when, when I say drape, that basically just means how it's going to, hang off of your body when you're wearing it, how it's going to react to wind or weather and, or how it's going to react after you pack it up and then unpack it. Um, so for that reason, I think like the 0.7 sil nylon mountain sil nylon is awesome for that. It's super lightweight, uh, has a really good tear strength and a high waterproof rating. Uh, but any sil nylon, sil poly, something in that range, I've seen people also use waterproof breathable for this. I think that doesn't really matter because it's already a skirt that you're getting plenty of airflow where you need it. Um, and the vapor transfer is not going to be high enough on most of those to make a difference. Like, so you might as well just use something uh, that mm-hmm. weighs less. All right. Team five TL. Agreed. Thank you for sending in your question. Isaac's uh, awesome. Also one other caveat here, the guys haven't heard these questions at all. So these are totally off the cuff. Uh, we decided to go full organic responses here. All right. You ready, Isaac? Uh, hold on real quick this is fire just want to say that which one sobo orangerine hazy ipa is really good with uh we are in the bubble so we're gonna pass beers here and we kiss a little bit that's it hang out that's really good that's got to be one of the best canned ipas it's as cold as the rockies i like all of these these are all good yeah these are all fantastic all right, Isaac, Team 5TL says, sewing grain to finish a seam. Is that a question? Or <laughs> Maybe talk about it this way. Do you do that? When do you do that? When do you not do that? And what machine do you use to do it? Okay, so when do I do that? I do that if I am finishing a seam that is not tapable. Um, so any of the non-DCF or non-PET-backed um, fabrics or RUV-backed fabrics hint hint um and then when would i not do it i mean honestly if you're finishing any seams that's not tapable i would probably bind it with grow green uh it's just going to give you a cleaner look and give you a little more structure in the seams and more thread in the seam to help with stability is there a downside like could you 
Yeah, I was going to just answer that question, too, because some of this is also preference, right? Um, And Isaac typically makes a lot of things that binding makes the product better. And he's typically working with materials that are like heavy duty and like he wants them to last and they look really nice. Um, And I do some of that. But uh, I think where you wouldn't bind seams outside of something being tapable is something like an ultralight tarp on or places like that where it's going to be a cost in weight. Or you're, or in a garment where you're, you need to do something to like hide a seam or make it flatter. Yeah. Well, I don't know that binding a seam necessarily goes with apparel in general, just because like most seams that you're going to be using for apparel are not going to be Correct. bound. Yeah, sure, um, for sure. Okay, so then in uh, for machine, we have the luxury of having an industrial machine with a what is the so Tennessee Attachment Company, I shouted them out when we were talking with Matt from Red Paw, but yep. we have a custom-made uh, binding attachment system. Yeah, and that is like the most amazing attachment system I've ever used for binding. It just makes it so much easier, especially with curves. If you've ever tried to do curves, if you've, if you've ever tried to bind curves without a right-angle attachment, it's a nightmare. It's a bad time. Um, but the downside to that is it takes probably like five or ten minutes to set that attachment up and you have to take out the feed dogs and the throat plate on your machine and so it just it kind of disrupts that whole process if you only have one machine and you're kind of going back and forth um so it is possible to like fold your grow grain in half or get pre-folded grow grain which is really nice um that's a thing yep that's the thing that's amazing (laughs) yeah it basically the way it's woven it has like a seam like right at the wow. center line. And I always just, like, you probably see me, I like fold it over and then run it over the corner yeah, of the table yeah. so that it like comes to that crease, but that's huge. Yeah. That's so that's, that's the biggest thing, like fold it over, kind of try and crease it. And then I usually like to put down a, a line of stitching in the grow grain first, and then put your seam mm-hmm. into that uh, crease per se. Yeah. Um, and then start sewing. So my dad used to always say, put the seam in the crease, son. Right. Next yeah. question <laughs> right. from Terrell H. Booth. That sound. Never mind. Best place to learn best practices for finishing skills of bags and backpacks. Obviously, our uh, YouTube channel is going to be a great place, and it's going to get better. Yeah. Um, so, a lot of you have seen the survey that we've sent out. If not, go fill it out really soon. Um, so we did a huge survey. We're trying to understand what our customers are into and what they want. So with that, we're going to be able to create more specific videos, uh, on based on, on backpacks, but you know, whether that's a bushcraft pack or a backpacking backpack, and it'll start backpack. out a little, we'll, we'll grow that, but it'll, we're going to get to be a little bit more specific about what types of gear we can show you how to make. Uh, they're specifically talking about like finishing techniques. So I think what Isaac just talked about with when to bind and when not to plays directly into that. Other than that, I mean, making a backpack for the most part outside of some reinforcement of certain areas is just like anything else, right? You're using some of those same seams, whether it's a rolled hem or a French seam, things we will get into more. Um, I think I typically see like a lot of fear around backpacks because people see like what's an REI with all the fancy meshes and the bent stays and that stuff. But to start off making like an ultralight bag or even like a sling pack or any of that stuff, you don't need anything fancier than a straight stitch and a couple YouTube videos that show you how to do a straight (laughs) or uh, like a French seam and a rolled hem. And that's basically it. And another thing that you can do that I really liked to do when I was in college uh, 
like for projects and stuff on how to figure out how to do like apparel seams, but it, the same thing goes for backpacks and whatever, but you can go to Goodwill or your local thrift shop and buy a cheap backpack or a cheap, you know, suitcase or whatever it is that you're interested in, in making and take it apart, get your seam ripper, go to town on the seams and just look at how the pattern pieces are made. Look at how they're attached and just, you can kind of start to get a feel for how things are put together in like the industrial sense and then adapt that to your home machine. I love that. Also other shout outs, people that we love, uh, Tim from learn MIOG has some good stuff out there. Yeah, uh, Zipworks has some great stuff out there. Matt from red paw packs has a whole pack tutorial out there now. I think he's doing um, like in-person classes too, right? I maybe think, I know he's like video classes so. at least. Yeah. And then, um, oh bag buff has Stevie some good, Jones bag buff has some good patterns. They, they will all show you different ways. I know that's not exactly finishing, but it will, they will talk about that and a lot of stuff. All right. Next question from Jayburn. Use any internet slash software tools when designing gear? Question mark. Uh, Zipworks. <laughs> we use that a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we also use SketchUp quite a bit, especially if we're doing laser stuff. Uh, one thing that Isaac's been really keen on and something that we're trying to start uh, having in the new year is some different like patterning software, which we don't currently have as we brought Isaac on and have a fresh products team. We want to focus more on creating uh, like rain jacket kits and things that are also sized. Um, so if you ever work with patterns, you know that it's pretty important to have software where you can design the pattern one time and then size that all the way through like triple X or whatever, instead of making, uh, different making seven different patterns. Um, and right now that would be what we had to do. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that we want to add. So I think Clothe 3D. Yeah. Clothe 3D is probably the most accessible because I think they have a, uh, just like a individual subscription plan kind of like mm -hmm. adobe um where you can just go pay for it and then they have tutorial videos that you can watch and then from what i've heard that's an incredible patterning software yeah but right now uh we use sketchup for most basic it's that's very accessible um i think there's actually like free sketchup that you can just use in your browser or you can do some 3d modeling and you can definitely do any 2d design if you basically just wanted to mock up what your bag might look like uh that is a really good place to start too. Cool. I just realized that all these cans look like they're trees. They're yeah. blazes. Yeah, no, I know that's a blaze, but I didn't realize it was a tree. <laughs> and I thought that was really cool. They also, also on the side, it says keep refrigerated or in a snowpack or in an ice cold stream, enjoy the outdoors. And now I wish I was kind of anywhere but indoors. But I'm still happy to be with you, be with you guys. I was gonna say, dude, I'm just leaving. <laughs> if we were, <laughs> like, enough. If we were like next to the the Noose River or something, and then just had these floating in the river, or if we were somewhere on the so Croatop Peninsula, whatever it's called, Croatan, Croatan, that's it. <laughs> you just spoke a different language there for a second. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, any wrecks on a good basic sewing machine? Brands, models. I want one that is dependable and will do the job, of course, but I don't want to spend a lot of money. The uh, username is either SS Hightower or maybe I just prefer to say it, Shite Tower. Shite Tower? That was actually my nickname Shite. in high school. Shite Tower. Um, I don't know if we have an article on this. I think we do or we've talked about it, but if not, we can work on that. Um, the Singer Heavy Duty series is the one that I always recommend to everyone. Uh, there are three different models and basically the difference between the three is just the amount of stitches. You don't need 46 decorative 
stitches uh, to make like a lace veil, unless you're making lace veils and then you might need those decorative stitches. But uh, I think the, I can't remember what they're called. Uh, what is it called? The heavy duty something, something. There's the 11, there's the 37. I don't, just, I don't use those. Just type singer heavy duty into the internet. It costs like a hundred and something dollars. They're super easy to get fixed. A ton of people that make gear, we see pictures of them all the time, use them. A lot of companies yes. use them. Like yeah. they're one of the most popular out there. I would say if you, so if you are going to go to like a thrift shop and look for something even cheaper than that, like used, I would look for, this might seem obvious, but look for a name, a name brand. So I, I would not recommend getting something that's like Black & Decker or like a brand that doesn't necessarily make sewing machines. Try and look for Brother or Singer or Genome or Genomi, however it's pronounced. Look for something that, that is going to have plenty of aftermarket support and that you can go to like a local sewing machine shop and get service. Quick little shout out. The first quarter of this year, we should have an ebook out called Intro to DIY, where we'll give you a one page uh, write up that you can bring to a shop with you so that you know how to purchase a sewing machine as well. I knew we did something with that. I just couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> I knew that I had talked about this. We're getting so. there. Yeah. All right. Next question from Jesse Alston. When do you know it's time to upgrade to a heavy duty sewing machine? At what point should someone open their wallet all the way? and buy a Juki. So one thing, I think one common misconception and something to actually pay attention to is that you really don't need a heavy duty machine. Like 90% yeah. of the fabrics that we work with are considered lightweight or midweight by textile standards or by sewing standards. So a heavy duty machine actually ends up being worse for most of your projects with the fabrics that we sell. Um, heavy duty when it comes to industrial, not necessarily the, the singer heavy duty correct that that one they call it that because it has like a metal frame yeah. in it um but in terms of industrial machines there are like light mid medium and heavy machines and that has to do with like the feed dogs and other stuff and you will be able to tell the difference so i think of it more as like hey i think if you have the privilege to be able to afford that and that's something that works in your budget um, you could just go for it at any time. I mean, using a Juki fully automatic machine just makes the experience overall better. Yeah. You can make it faster. It's easier. It goes through more stuff. Your presser foot clearance is higher. There's less maintenance. Uh, they will last literally forever. Probably use less explosives while you're sewing. <laughs> yeah, but that, does, but that doesn't mean that a singer heavy duty or just a brother from the thrift store is going to make your experience bad or anything. Um, so that would be part one. And then I think anytime that you're planning on starting to make stuff, uh, for sale or you're, if you're making a project a week, it might be time to look for something like that, especially if you're experiencing like, man, I really wish this could go faster, or it's taking a lot of time for me to try to bind these edges or spacer mesh won't fit under the presser foot. Speed is the biggest thing I noticed because I have a pretty nice home machine and I've made there's only one thing that I could not have made on that machine. And that was like my big bike bag that had foam in it. Um, but everything else I could easily make my home machine, but it's just speed. It's so much faster to work with an industrial machine, not necessarily the power, but with the auto cut, like with the threads, everything yeah. goes twice as fast. Auto cut is that's amazing. Unless that's, it's our that's current machine. <laughs> also, if you look for So another thing, if you get the machine, like mostly disassembled where you have to assemble the table yourself, which is not hard. If you've gone to Ikea and bought something and put it together, this is probably easier. 
Um, you can get them on high end, like the machine that Jameson has is upwards of like three to $500. And that's not an industrial machine. So you can buy an industrial Juki that doesn't have auto cut, but it, you know, a DDL 8,700 for like $500 or used maybe less. So it doesn't always mean that it's going to be super expensive. It just might mean that you have to empower yourself uh, to do some more DIY than you might have thought you would, but something to look out for, for sure. This question's for you, Isaac. You can both answer it, but I'm directing it towards you. Okay. This is from uh, A.C.T. Riley or Act Riley. I'm a canoeist in search of a tarp. Yes. Weight is not a huge issue. Which material is best? Um, well, if you are a uh, an old school traditionalist, ca- traditional canoeist, then uh, you're probably going to want wax canvas. And uh, this is when Carter gives me the Yeah, look. I thought you were going to say something like <laughs> sheep's bladder. And- <laughs> uh, but no, like... If you're not going for wax canvas, then, I mean, if you want something super heavy duty, you could always do HD 300 because um, it's PU coated. So it's going to be nice and water. Well, make sure you get the PU coated version and not uh, DWR uh, hex 70. Dude, was it? Unless you want a really good sun shield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd go for HD 300, um, maybe like what is it? 1.6 still poly. Yeah, that would be my recommendation. So anything that's PU coated is going to have one side. Typically that's not, which means that that side will absorb Absorb. some water and be heavier. Um, So anytime you can find something that is coated on both sides or impregnated, that is the way to go. If you can find it. And if you're not looking for like something that you need to be able to like tow behind your 2022 Nissan Frontier. And one six still poly, you're just going to you're going to have the privilege of cutting weight Not that you have to, or that they're particularly concerned about it, but you might as well make it lighter because it's going to make your paddling more. Well, I think for a canoe, a big thing is pack size and 1.6 still poly. Anything that's silicone coated is going to pack down smaller than something that's PU coated because of the stiffness. So you might not care about weight, but you probably care about cargo space. I mean, it depends on how many bodies you have in the canoe or, uh, (laughs) next question. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Marsa official says best fabric or asks best fabric for waterproof and breathable jackets you want this or you want me to take it i mean waterproof breathable would probably be the 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 we have uh, obvious choice yeah there's a selection on our website to look at things that are both waterproof breathable again is a industry term but in this case it means uh that it has a high mvtr uh, moisture, vapor, moisture vapor transfer, 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 yeah. yeah, and so that means that, um, well, let's just say it this way so that people don't click off and unsubscribe. Uh, vapor can exit but not enter, and it exits fast and in high volume. Yeah. So, I think they're more lost. <laughs> go on to our website, click waterproof breathable, and then there will be selections for you that are organized by weight. So we have Vintec, which would be a printable option that is uh, a 30D face. It's very nice fabric. It's pretty similar to what you would find in REI. Uh, And then we also have an ultralight version, which is a 10D waterproof breathable, which weighs like 1.4 ounces per square yard. And that would be your ultralight. Kind of similar to what you might see from Enlightened Equipment or Z-Packs, but a little not as good of a vapor transfer rate. There's also DCF waterproof breathable. I don't know if we're going to even continue carrying that. Yeah. So I can't recommend that at For this sure. time, but if you could find some from, uh, I don't know, somebody on the, on the streets or something, 
uh, that would work too. But those are my recommendations. For all people that are unknowing, let's briefly touch on this. But you're talking about the difference between uh, rain coming onto you and then sweat coming out of you. So that sweat is that vapor because it's a little bit smaller, if you want to think of those terms, than the water droplets, which is going to hopefully beat up and run off. You're hoping to take that sweat from the inside, work it through the fabric, and then away from your skin. So that's that vapor transfer rate. Yeah, there's normally like a one. It's basically like a one-way valve, yeah. if you will. So uh, running on the same theme of uh, apparel, Boycrafty, great name, says... I thought you were saying like a word that I was supposed <laughs> to know. Oh, boy, crafty. I thought you were saying like it was like a sector of bushcraft. Like there's boycraft too. I'm like, ah. Bushcraft and boycraft. Um, yeah, anyway, what are your future plans for technical apparel fabric? There are lots. Uh, yeah. I'll let Isaac answer some of this. I'll say a couple things first. Uh, How the, much I, can I say? Uh, probably not that much. I would just say that the sky's the limit and what I would like to get us to uh, in terms of this time next year is that we have added most of the technical fabrics that you would see uh, that are available for sale by either cottage apparel companies that are on the cutting edge. And then also what you would find in the big box store. I can't promise we have a lot to do, right? We have a lot of different products for different uh, sectors and categories of people, but we will like, like we talked about earlier with the skirts and things like that. We like technical clothing and we use it and we want to be able to make it so if we can make that possible that's the goal isaac if you have any foreshadowing or things that you maybe personally want to bring on you can, you're welcome to talk about those well, i mean i think something we've already talked about is polar tech like yeah most people don't really think about polar tech or like insulation layers as kind of like high-tech fabrics but there are some really cool insulative fabrics like alpha direct that like if if you've never felt alpha direct or had a jacket that is lined with alpha direct or an alpha direct hoodie you're not living yeah like you're missing out that stuff is for the weight it is incredibly warm it is super breathable and it's just like next level yeah next level so stuff like that we really hope to bring on soon um and we are in the works of bringing it on um so yeah the one other thing I'll add on is similar to what we're trying to do with backpacks where you have every fabric and component that you can get in one place. We are trying to get there with apparel where you're going to be able to make the stuff that you want to make and just get it all here with your cam snaps and other things as well. And not just apparel, but like if you yeah. want to make a hunting pack or a fishing pack or a bike pack, whatever it is, like we want you to be able to come to Ripstop by the Roll and get it all in one spot. Lunch bag. Absolutely. I like lunch. Old man grub says, hey. says, I have a hard time knowing what needles to use for what fabric. Do we have articles on that or something? I know we've made posts on it. Yeah. I want to so, be able to direct them to something. I'll still answer the question, but yeah. So first things first, old man grub. Um, if, if you have Instagram scroll through and, and look, we have, we've done a, a series of posts where it says what thread needle to use with certain fabrics. We go over Hyper D and DCF and XPAC and stuff. So look for those. If you don't have Instagram, shoot us a message on the help center because we definitely have articles about that and we can send you those, those as well. Um, it's, uh, I would probably just say, let us, let us know, but we do have a general guide. Um, Carter, I'm going to have to elicit your help here, but we broke it down into fabric weights. So I think sub one ounce or. I don't know exactly how we did it, but. The main thing is that I think a lot of people, and this is something that we've seen for, I've seen it for the past five years, right? Like 
your needle size and thread size go together. Yes, you want to make sure that you're using, for instance, a basic line would be the lighter the fabric, the lighter the thread, right? You don't need to use a denim thread on a super on M10 because that's not going to work very well. You're going to have tension issues. It's going to be too stiff. Um, but really, if you're there are there are needle recommendations and thread recommendations respectively for whichever ones you buy. So if you buy Mara 70 thread, which is something that we sell, there are recommendations for that that you can just type into Google and it's like a, a size 12 through 16. In general, if you're sewing with anything that's one ounce to eight ounces, which is a huge variety of our fabrics, you can use a text, a text 30 through 40 thread, which is the set Mara 70, 80, Mara 70, Terra 80. Uh, there are lots of different brands of, of threads, but those two that we carry and then the thread, the needles that we carry as well, will get you through almost everything. Yeah. So as a very basic line, anything up to one ounce, you can use a Sewall, Guterman Sewall or Mara 100 thread um, in conjunction with a size seven through 10 needle. If you're doing anything from one through eight, you can use Mara 70, Terra 80, or plenty of other text threads in that category yeah. with size 12 through 14, really, but you could use a 16 as well. Um, and then after that, it's you go up to 16 to 18. You're probably not going to need that unless you're selling some pretty Big some stuff. solid like leather or and vinyl <laughs> and rubber or something like that. Yeah. Um, but then obviously that translates to thicker thread, bigger needle. Um, let's see, we did that one. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Boycrafty had a second question that I accidentally skipped over. They also said thread choices, dot, dot, dot. Is there a better choice than 100% polyester? There could be for certain applications, but I like the UV resistance of polyester. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we use and that's what yeah, pretty much everybody uses as well. One secret about thread that I will say is something that we're trying to work on are some other alternatives to thread that might have different characteristics than what we're used to seeing maybe that's too ambiguous but you know give you something to use your imagination think about. all right next question and once again we can't say it enough thank you so much for sending these questions they absolutely make the podcast what it is and we and we really like to hear what people are thinking so he said that's the usual one. he no. said is there a correct rotation for x-pack fabrics so i'm assuming they mean x-ply or the fabrics within x-ply is there particular for, direction of i mean you, no <laughs> you, i would like to make it match wow puberty <laughs> is great i would like to make it match up where i can um but you're not going to notice a performance difference in that huge yeah. x ply because that really does nothing anyways it reduces by a stretch and it could stop uh like a rip at that point but for the most part that's an aesthetic choice and uh it looks really cool but no, you're not going to like, if you turn it sideways, uh, you're not going to experience your backpack rip in half or, or anything yeah. like that. I mean, technically, whichever, when you get your piece of X-Pack, whichever sides the uh, selvage is on, that's going to be like the side, if that makes sense. Yes. So, like the, so the X-Pack has like fibers on the ends that are kind of loose. That's the selvage. Those are going to be like the sides. So if you turn... It's that. easier to say if you go on the website and you look at the width and it says 54 inches, then the one that measures 54 inches or 50 or 60 yeah. inches is 
the width and the one that is the amount that you ordered, whether that's a half yard or six yards is the length. Right. So that's the way that it orients, but it doesn't really matter. Like you can yeah. use scraps, you can use most people aesthetically just like those pieces to match up if they yeah. can make it match up. Typically it's with the, the diamond being the tall direction up and down. Correct. But again, that's up to you. All right. Kmore 802. I hope that means they're from Vermont because we've been there. That was fun. We went together. We did. Maybe one day in an after, whatever they call it, after school specials. I don't know what we call it. What, I don't know after, what I'm saying. After, after hours. After hours. In the after hours, maybe I'll tell the story about me and Jameson going to uh, <laughs> going to the airport in Boston. I don't know if y'all want to hear that story. <laughs> well, after hours, if it doesn't get cut, maybe you'll get to hear that one day. Kmore802 says, how do you find the right balance between adding helpful features like key rings, extra pockets, shock cord, et cetera, but not adding too much extra weight to the project? A lot of that's going to depend on what your end goal is for what application you're using it, right? Like, it, and that's part of the planning. That's what Isaac especially does a lot of, at least from what I've seen, does a lot of planning in advance for exactly where all these pieces are going to go. Yeah. And yeah, so if you're making an ultralight backpack where your priority in the triad of, uh, well, I don't know what I called it, but I became you know famous overnight. The fabric was, application triad balances price, weight, and durability. So that's what you're referring to. Yeah, so if you're looking at that triad and you're saying, okay, well, the most important thing to me is lowest weight, then you're probably going to look at your needs and say, okay, <clears> these <throat> are the most important features that I have to have, but anything else I need to save weight. Or I'm going to add these features and use the lightest version. For instance, instead of using a number eight zipper here, I'm going to use a number three because that's lighter and I can still have the zipper pocket. Um, and the other way, maybe you're looking to make the most durable burly bag ever. And then you can add as many features as you want that make sense and weight's not that important. In some way, in some ways, the triad sort of becomes a quadrant when you start to look at design because then it's gonna add um, like effectiveness or efficacy to the project, right? Cause like if you're trying to make a roll top dry bag for a canoe, then like you might want to add on attachment points that you can tie down. That's going to increase the effectiveness versus just making a dry bag. Yeah. I, I, I always find it the most helpful to have a specific purpose in mind for mm -hmm. what you're making. So like you can, you can just go to your sewing machine and make like a ZPP or, you know, whatever, just, just make something. But I found that the most useful products that I've made have been a result of like, an activity or a sport that I do and having something that I use for that activity and being like, Hey, I wish I could change this about this product and then making that product in the way that I want it. So yeah. through doing that, you think this product has these things that I don't necessarily use. So in the one that I want to make, I'm going to just eliminate those and add something else that I would use more. I like that because it's it's focusing you know, on the design because when you the design process is so overwhelming because you have everything at your uh, mm -hmm. at your potential so saying like what am I using this for what I want it to accomplish yeah what is the actual thing I want it to do and then right. you get to yeah yeah all right boy crafty you're on a roll and you ask a lot of good questions next question I have many questions about interfacing stabilizing technical fabrics especially Dyneema and Silpoly can it be done what can I use uh, so. That is going to depend on what you're using. I personally, for the applications that Silpoly and DCF are needed for, interfacing is doesn't need to be used. Yeah. I can't think of even for garments like a Silpoly rain jacket would not need that 
there that I can think of maybe in like the zipper portion, but even then uh, for those particular fabrics, it's just not needed. If you need reinforcement, there are different ways to do that. Like for the DCF, you're going to use uh, tape or make your own patches using the double-sided tape or things like that to reinforce the areas. But in general, interfacing I, it and isaac has more experience with that so i'll let him that is different from what you think but that's kind of my thought there no from from my perspective like interfacing is mainly used in fashion applications for structure so whether that's like if you're making a placard for a you know a button-down shirt or a collar like that's just going to give you structure in those specific specific applications because you have like a, a fashion uh, aspect that you want to enhance or create whereas in like outdoor clothing and like gear and stuff that we're using like dcf and so poly for like you don't necessarily need that same like fashion look i guess you're going to use like a reinforcement material for that so whether that's like hypalon for tie downs or like a slightly heavier fabric on a tarp for your tie outs like you're not really going to use interfacing for that because it's not going to be between the two layers. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So we're going to take a little bit of a 180 on the DIYing here. Coos89 asks a pretty heartwarming question that I'm honored to get a chance to even help him out with or help them out with. Coos89 kindly and humbly says, will I find the love of my life? Absolutely not. <laughs> Stop now. Stop looking. Do it by yourself. I don't know. I don't know anything about you. You could be great. You could not be great. Isaac, you're married. What? what I'm was, also what married. Is, what is the thing <laughs> what is <that> supposed <laughs> to mean? <laughs> what, 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 you know, for Kuz89 that's looking, he's looking for some actual, they're looking for some actual assistance here. Yeah. What, yeah. Would, you, what would you tell them? So what y'all didn't know is that uh, this podcast will sometimes become a dating and relationship <laughs> advice uh, therapy session. We all like pretty much just married our high school sweethearts so we have a ton of experience in the dating <laughs> yeah. realm yeah, you're right. we're kind of like we're kind of have all the experience as adults because we haven't been with the same person since seventh grade but i don't know that's just i haven't dated somebody since 2013 or something so anyways we have the best advice isaac what were you gonna say there? <laughs> um will you ever find love i think so uh yeah i think love doesn't have to be a uh, lifelong partner you can love the things that you do you can love your pets yourself you can love your family you can love yourself there's a lot of different aspects to that you can love dale earnhardt if you <laughs> if you're religious you can find love in your religious beliefs um so there's there's a lot of different aspects to that question so probably not <laughs> Kusi 89 thank you love love can come in many forms and it will lead you home. My love came in the form of uh, my wife when we were in sixth grade in gym class. And I just knew it was the time, you know? That could have gone so many different directions. <laughs> I know. I was trying. We were, all, we were just looking at each other like. Um, I met my wife in Spanish class. She was the student assistant. She was like, I don't know, like a no flex. She was a junior, and I think I was a sophomore. So. You think? Oh, I can't remember if I was a sophomore. <laughs> I, we're a year apart. I just couldn't remember if it was junior and senior, but I think I was a sophomore. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean, the first time I said naturaleza, she just knew. Yeah. Well. Oh my gosh! I, what I, a I, cultured man. I met my wife at painting camp. So. All right. Next question. 
So actually, it was a band camp. You know what, Coos? It was orchestra camp, okay? Yeah, Coos 89. Coos, if he can find it at band camp, you're good to go. <laughs> it wasn't band camp. It was orchestra camp. Orchestra, okay. Even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or worse. Put Whatever. some respect. All right. My dad's um, a musician, by the way. I can say that. Also, Avery has kindly asked to stop rolling our cans on the table because it's making too much noise on the mics. Sorry. Everyone hates us. All right. Red Paw Packs. Woohoo! Matt. Love you, so, dude. I didn't know you were going to be in here. That was a surprise to me, too. When is the new Dyneema fabric coming out? Price point, question mark? Uh, so a couple things. There are multiple fabrics with Dyneema in the works. I can't tell you a price point, although I would say um, you're along the line. You already know a little bit, and I would say it's probably along the lines of what you would expect of things that are already out there. Um, but we will also be offering the ultra line of fabrics as well starting the new year so also the new the new dynamic fabrics will be cheaper than current dynamic fabrics so if you're used to seeing 5.0 at 23.50 a yard or something we are anticipating there being similar stuff in a lesser well <laughs> it might not be cheaper than 5.0 dcf because we're talking about something that's different very different different <laughs> yeah but it would be cheaper than using the regular like sk75 fibers because if you listen to a previous podcast that kyle was on uh you learn about dyneema diamond and the stuff that they're doing with the different fiber technologies that are allowing us to get actually like for our applications a better fiber uh for a lower price so you can definitely expect to see that in multiple fabrics with dyneema in the coming year and probably years to come thanks matt i love you love you Matt. all right uh frost Frost ale casts, frost frost alecus. Stay frosty. <laughs> frost, uh, yeah, alecus. Stephen. <laughs> frost uh, asks, "What is a good first project for a beginner slash intermediate sewer new to sewing gear?" Beginner slash intermediate. Which which one would it be? Well, let's let's start with the beginner project okay. and then give them a second step. Say any right, of so, our kids, basically. Yeah, any. Well, maybe not. The starter pack or even the though it's pretty easy. I would say any kit that we have that has a video with it is going to yeah. be the way to go. Even if it's the fanny pack or the tote bag, which are our newest okay. kits. Let's put it like this. If it doesn't have a zipper, if one, if you try one of our kits that doesn't have a zipper, I'd say that would be great for a beginner. And if it does have a zipper, that'd be better for intermediate outside more, of tarp kit. Cause more, that is intermediate. Yeah. yeah. More, more directly easiest thing you can make on our other kits right now is a tote bag. It's incredibly helpful. Isaac and I bring them to work a couple times a week. Yeah. Um, so tote bag, super easy and, and very simple. Great kit. Second, after that, I would say roll top dry bag or, or fanny DCF pack. stuff sack kits. Um, stuff just because kit. the stuff sacks are also super helpful, but it does include a little bit more skill than, than other ones would. Awesome. All right. Julie Monroe asks or says, Hey, Julie. Hi, Julie. You know that the Cottage Gear brands, RR Supplies, will be the future's big outdoor brands? You know that the Cottage Gear brands... Do you know? Or I have... Hey, Julie. Uh, I have <laughs> no clue what you're saying, but I want to answer your question. So if you can send your question into some of our support team, I will personally respond to that. Maybe through them, but you can... Rest assured that I'll respond. This is probably not your fault. We're just yeah. I'm just not sure reading. what that question. Yeah. But I hope I you have an awesome day, and we appreciate you for asking will, the question at all. I will say um, uh, what I what I'm sort of interpreting this question as. 
I don't imagine too many of the brands that we serve becoming really huge because we do things very specific. I'm sort of reading into your question saying like, are the, are the brands that we serve in some of the cottage vendors that we're, we're serving right now, will they become huge and get into REI? Some of them already are. We do have companies that make their way to our other bigger places, but we do such specific applications, like very specific backpacks and gear that I don't think they'll be ever really, really mass produced, but I, I obviously certainly hope that they do grow and scale to, to really sustainable heights and they do great things. I think that's also an appeal of being a cottage vendor. Definitely. Like they, they don't necessarily have the, the industrialization that some of the, the big name brands do. And that, that kind of gives you like just a better feeling when you're supporting a small business yeah. and local businesses. So they're kind of different. Well, there's also like issues with like made in USA production is extremely expensive and very difficult. And it's yeah. not something that a lot of people do for that reason. And it, it, as you see companies that do like, there's nothing wrong with larger companies. Like if that's the, if the direction that you want to move your brand or your your small small business is to scale up and grow and still make great products, like I and we support totally support that. Um, but there are also people that are really happy being able to offer uh, explicit customization and continually onboarding like the new products that we offer where they can get them and like one on one customer service. Those are some of the things that I love about cottage brands. Uh, the other thing that is interesting is that we also do a lot of business with non-small businesses right like whether it's on a contract basis or government stuff uh there's some cool stuff that we, that we work on that uh is pretty is not just uh a family business but both of them we enjoy doing another thing i will say about big brand versus cottage vendors is big brands again there's absolutely nothing wrong with them you can find a piece from a big brand that fits you phenomenally, uh, but they're making one piece for a huge demographic of median users, right? So for instance, I have a Patagonia R1 fleece. I love that thing. It fits me great. It really works. Other Patagonia pieces don't fit me that great. So I might look at other places. It's just like that. If you go to a cottage you're going to have one that's really well tapered, really that's going to fit your needs specifically in a very specific kind of way. So that's kind of the, the differences that we see there. I mean, and also the R1 only comes in a certain amount of colors. Very, yeah. Right. And if a new fabric came out tomorrow, or like they're something, not <laughs> they're not like they're not coming out with another R1 until next year. Yeah. So yeah. you, there's more flexibility um, in that space to like do something crazy or do something different or custom printed things like that are just not offered at the yeah. next level. Yeah. Nick Cluxton is getting deep. He's got kind of one of those, one of those next level questions. He says, do y'all have a specific date that Dyneema will be restocked? No. So first thing, please go listen to our latest Dyneema episode. I don't remember what episode it was, but I want to say it was 30, uh, 27 or 31. I know it's a big number in there, but they talk about what um, DSM talks about what they are doing right now to take Dyneema from where they currently are to get more, more in stock. We simply answer. We don't know. We don't have control of that. We'd love to get it to you, but we don't know. One comforting thing I can say is that we like, look, we get it. Like we see, although yeah. we don't have control over that, we want, we love Dyneema they want to have the product out and we want you guys to be able to get the product. So one thing that we are doing uh, is heavily stocking up throughout the year. So we're hoping to try to counteract some of the supply chain issues from pandemic and the fact that a lot of this is made in USA and things like that. Uh, we are trying to combat that by carrying just more inventory. And as we've grown and from support of, you know, you guys, 
it makes it possible for us to have more on the shelves so that you can have the cool gear and go skiing with a Dyneema box of brief or whatever you use it for. <laughs> Episode 29. 29. Thanks, Isaac. Yep. What's that in Spanish, Jameson? Don't try. Barbecue. Bar- <laughs> Next question. Next question. All right. Uh, can you... Conica, Con- yeah. Conica Customs. It's either like whenever you say like "cuz," but you put an H at the end and say "what up, cuh." It's like that, but then it also has a cone in front. So I'm gonna Con- just say "conica." Conica says, but it's probably actually just like a place in Pennsylvania that I don't know. Of. Yeah, I'm very Conica sorry about your name. What type of fabric would you recommend to make a Moore's Kachansky Kachan- survival scarf? This question is for you, Isaac. Well. In the true spirit of bushcraft, uh, you probably want something that's wool, um, simply because of its inherent properties of still providing insulated value while wet. And in that line of thinking, I would recommend uh, Alpha Direct with wool, which is something that we will be carrying shortly. Or you could just go out and harvest your own, like a true bushcrafter. You could, yeah. Go find a wool tree. And get all the wool off the branches. That's yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> so we are into bonus questions now. Avery selected some of the best ones there, and I'm gonna go through and just choose a few others that might make it into the episode just so we have a little bit more. But there's a great question here again from Jesse Alston. They say, How do you know which fabric is right for the job? Unless you're aiming for lightweight materials, the rip stops seem marginally different from one another. Uh, I think this goes back to some of the stuff we talked about with the triad. Uh, but ultimately, uh, a, an important thing here is just to read the product copy, because it's seldom that we bring on a product that doesn't have specific differences between them, whether that's weight or it could be an aesthetic, like a different uh, weaving process that puts a hexagon in there or whatever. But most of the time we're using a different fiber or a different weight, or it's been specially designed to have a specific hand feel like Airwave or it's designed to be the most ultralight and supportive hammock, like monolight and be super breathable. Normally in the product copy, that will give you a good idea of what those differences are um, because there's usually nuance. And then if you're looking at two or three and you're just really not sure, if you're a business, you can hit up uh, our guy, Lance, uh, the B2B specialist. Or you can just, uh, you can talk to Avery in social media or Justin or somebody is out there to help you if you're really stuck and you're like, okay, I don't know the differences between one nine ripstop and 1.6 hyper D we can help you with that. All right. So we don't have that many questions left, but we also don't have that much time left. So I want to do a rapid fire section where you guys answer very quickly, very concisely. I'm talking one word answer for you and two word answer for you. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So I get six and he gets two. So you get four and he gets two. 17. <laughs> All right. Ready. Okay. Lost my placement. Yes. Okay. Generally speaking, for a beginner, which machine is best for sewing this material from Chris J. Hearn? Which material? Is that my... Dang. <laughs> it's... You're out of words. What's your answer? Singer heavy duty. <laughs> uh, the one that you have. Uh, too many words, but that is a great answer. The one that you have is awesome or the singer heavy duty if you're looking for a new one. Seam tape on X-Pack slash thank you bike crud. If it's the tapeable kind without the back. That can't be taped. Currently, we don't carry. No, currently X-50. we carry three 
fabrics, X backpacks that are capable. More to come on January 18th. I think we only carry one. Oh, multiple saying, colors. X50. Multiple colors. So two. two colors. I was still wrong. Yeah. Still wrong. You could tape it with heat, but we don't have that tape. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you want to make X-Pack a little bit more waterproof, go back and see a blog and a video that we did last year on how to seam seal X-Pack. All right. Bike Crud also says tension setting. Yep. <laughs> That's a good one. Put it in the middle, and then if it's loose, tighten it. If it's tight, loosen it. Good. All right. Uh, Bike Crud also says using a bias foot with thick doubled fabrics. A bias foot. I don't know what a bias foot is, but I'm also not a professional. Sorry. Uh, Bike Crud, you're on a roll, and I really appreciate you sending in three questions. That shows you how engaged you are. This is rapid fire, but we're going to pause to We're going to look it. a quick look up what a bias foot is. Oh, they just mean like a, like a binding a attachment. Binding foot. Oh, what oh, was the question again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Using a bias foot with thick slash doubled fabrics. Uh, you would just need one that has more clearance for those fabrics and probably a locking foot or a needle feed machine to make sure it still feeds through properly. Yeah, And you're going to want to cut that fabric on the bias, obviously. With okay. the tape part. The other part, you can just bind it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ethnicity Outfitters says best machine for hammocks. Thanks. Tinker Heavy Duty. Well, best ever. The highest end Juki that has every customization possible. Singer Heavy Duty or the high end Juki, depending on what your budget is. Uh, yeah. Tiffley Chang says, what material do you recommend for a one-person ground tarp? One-person ground tarp. Too many words. I just repeated the question. <laughs> this is going to be a haiku. Okay. <laughs> Too not. many words. DCF for a top luxury, 1.1 seal poly for not top luxury. <laughs> Or if you're a bushcrafter, you can always do... Uh, you can always just use your own skin. That's waterproof breathable. One ounce DCF. 1.9 PU. Just don't use someone else's skin. Phil <laughs> That's a crime. Um, Philip, <laughs> Philip underscore G with two Ps says... Two. It's Philippe. It has an E. Philippe G says there are so many fabrics. <laughs> Which one is best... Um, which one is the best value? 1.9 ripstop. has a ton of uses, and it's like $3 and something a yard. Super yeah. cheap. And you can get 1.9 PU coded. Yeah. So Best answers yet. Uh, Tiffley Chang has another question, and they say, where does one buy foam or stuff that gives bag stiffness? First, hold on, my first thing, yoga mats. Camp roll at Walmart or foam store. Foam store. There's foam and fabric stores are still pretty popular. They're just fabric stores, aren't they? No, they're typically called foam and fabric for that reason. I've never seen one of those before in my life. They're yeah. actually not here, but they're pretty much everywhere else. We have them back home. One word: internet. Oh, spicy. Yeah. Amazon. <laughs> um, Philippe G says there are so many fabrics. Which one is better? I've already read that one. One point nine. Oh, <laughs> um, Jay Burn says, "How do you estimate?" Uh, fabric needs for a DIY shelter. Think about how big you want it to be and how wide you want it to be. Draw it on a piece of paper, write those numbers down, and then use math. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Um, one of the last questions, Shirley Long says, what fabric do you recommend for stopping wind uh, for hats and headbands? Stop. 
<laughs> I would like to see a wind stopping headband. It depends on the hat and the headband. Can I answer this one longer? Do we have enough time? Um, the way, no. It depends, but on what the use is, but a calendar breathable fabric. Calendar breathable? Yes. So every calendar fabric we have is breathable. Okay. Calendaring just reduces the CFMs, but it doesn't make it unbreathable. Most almost all downproof quilt materials are breathable, but they're also calendar. But they're also not gonna be that comfortable against your skin. Like every sleeping bag and every top quilt and everything else that goes directly against your skin. You guys are over your word count. Sorry. See, so, and final answer. to hear more of that, check out Ripstop off the record. And Rift we Stop. go into conversations like that. Also known as Ripstop on the record after hours. Yeah, that one. <laughs> the final question from Jonathan Stiles says, uh, Carter, what happened in the Boston Logan bathroom? Mistakes were made <laughs> and memories were, made. were saved. <laughs> on your leg. <laughs> that is... Nothing It was on my leg. <laughs> but I did have to go shopping for clothing. (laughs) That uh, concludes episode 35, uh, Maker Questions. Um, Yeah, one for the ages. Thank you to everyone that submitted your questions. Uh, These are phenomenal. We really appreciate hearing where you are. You have no idea how much it helps. Uh, I'm going to do a shameless call that everyone does at the end of a podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. Go leave a comment, leave a four-star review or a five-star review. Um, we are always looking to prove why we do this and, and why it's valuable for the makers that have this. So to hear why, why it means something to you or if it does would mean a ton to us and let us continue to do this if this is something that you want to see. If you don't like it, then do nothing because then we'll eventually have to stop. Yes. Give us feedback if you don't like it and I'll leave if I have to. Yes. Um, the last thing I want to say is if you're going through Charlotte, Check out Blue Blaze Brewing. These beers yeah. were awesome. And thank you They're guys great. for sending us this. That is, uh, that's <laughs> not that. That's because he drank his a little too fast. But thank you, Blue Blaze, again for sponsoring this episode. Huge shout out to them. Uh, open call for all other breweries or people. If you're looking to get a shout out on an episode, let us know. Send us beers and hats, whatever else you'd like to see. And we'll give you our honest review. I'll and wear please. whatever you send. So if you send a size extra uh, small, please, please don't. I'll do it. <laughs> no. For we you. will. These were honestly good. So uh, the honest review is these are excellent beers. Yeah, they were good. Yeah. And cool. I wouldn't tell you, but you might be able to <laughs> tell I was lying. So. All right. I need to get home before it gets dark. Later. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everybody. Peace.